be seated. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here today, and I'm glad to be back here today. Uh, and we welcome you in the name of the Lord, and uh, hope God's going to bless in a very special way as we worship God to, together this morning. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, you are very important to us, and we're glad that you're here, and uh, hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. And uh, for our guests, we'd like to ask you if you drop by our hospitality table after the worship service. We've got some information we'd like to give you and a little, and a little gift over there as well. So if you'd like to uh, do that, we would certainly appreciate it. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, there's our attendance sheets, our attendance pads on the end of each row. I'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out as completely as you feel comfortable and pass it down the row so other people can fill it out as well. And especially if you would like to uh, receive our email newsletter that comes out each week, we'd like to ask if you put your email um, address on there and we'll be sure to get you on that list. Um, there will be no church council today. We'll be not, not be having church council today. Uh, I know it's in the worship folder there, but uh, we're not going to be having that today. We've got a lot of other things going on, so we won't be having church council today. Uh, but, Jerry? Okay, we, we know what's really important, don't we? <laughs> uh, we will not be having our outreach um, uh, meeting today as well. So um, a restful Sabbath Sunday today. That's good. That's good. And go cats. <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> well, it's because there's no dog in this fight. <laughs> Uh, boy, I lost track here, didn't I? <laughs> a few other things I'd like to call to your attention. We are in the midst of our Sunday school um, competition. We are uh, having a competition for attendance in Sunday school that is running through Easter, through April the 24th. And I haven't checked, so I don't know what our status is right now, but uh, I don't know which Sunday school class is winning, and I don't even know if anybody knows. Do we know anything yet? Um, Okay, Mary. Looks like Mary Mary Rise class is uh, is has the largest percentage right now. So all you other classes, you need to get to work here. And we're going to have this competition through Easter, and the winning Sunday school class will have a uh, a pizza dinner at the uh, expense and and servants of the other classes. Uh, a few other things I'd like to call your attention: uh, our Lenten lunch. This, Sunday, or this past Wednesday was a wonderful, wonderful Lenten lunch. We had a great time. This place was packed out. I think, um, I think somebody said we had 151 or 52 people here uh, for Lenten lunch. Uh, the previous Wednesday, I think there were 145 there. These are records. Uh, we have never seen this, this large a crowd at our Lenten lunches. So that just tells you what a wonderful time it is. And it's a great time for us as the community of faith, not only of Community Baptist Church, but of all of Henderson to gather together to worship God and to observe this Lenten season together. So let me encourage you this Wednesday to come to the Presbyterian Church at noon. Uh, we'll have a short service, about a half an hour, and then we'll share lunch together 
uh, after the service at 1230. And it's a great time, and, and you will not be disappointed, I'm sure. Uh, the Women's Mission Group will be meeting tomorrow um, uh, at 630 at our house, at the Hobbs House. So um, I'm looking for something to do, folks. <laughs> uh, mow your grass? <laughs> And uh, one other thing, um, there will be a brief business meeting right after the worship service to discuss uh, the possible purchase of the land adjacent to the church here. Uh, this was announced a couple of weeks ago in our business meeting. So we'll, if you want to hang around right after the, after the worship service, uh, Chris will lead us in a uh, brief business meeting, and we'll, we'll discuss that. I think, um, let's see, where's Julie? There she is. Julie has something that she would like to say. Proverbs three twenty seven. Do not withhold good for those to whom is it is due. The youth would like to share with you our mission projects we have been working on. We wanted to think of a way to express Jesus' love through our lives. So we have made blankets to give to shut-ins. Presently, we have made two blankets and are very excited to present them in Jesus' name. Our first two recipients are Margaret Edwards and Vicki Posey. We will be making blankets throughout 2011 and are taking recommendations for the future blankets we are making. We, we are taking donations toward the costs and supplies of making the blankets. If you would like to sponsor a blanket, please see Julie. Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will they pour into the fold of your garment. For the measure you measure will be measured back to you. Thank you. Thank you. Our, our youth have been working hard on, these, on this mission project, and uh, they'll be sharing these blankets with uh, some of our shut-ins, and we commend them for that. Wonderful job, wonderful job. We're glad you're here today, and uh, we share the love of Christ with one another, and let me in invite you to do just that. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
am I on? take a little trip? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We all like to take a little trip. We're going to mix things up here a little bit. Let's say our prayer first today, okay? Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Hold on a second. I'm going to get this. Sorry, guys. Good morning, Lord. Lord, we come to you this morning with thanks for another wonderful week. Thank you for opening the doors to your house so we may learn about your life and how you died so we could live our lives. Thank you for trusting in me and our church family to help nurture these beautiful children toward a meaningful week. In your name we pray, amen. All righty. All right. Youth, I need you to stand up, please. The older youth. Okay, let's talk about Sunday school here. Mr. Chris Hobgood, this is the pizza contest, just the older youth, okay? Older youth, Chris Hobgood, today you had a total of five, okay? Jake, actually in Sunday school, you're with Mr. Tim. There you go. All right. So you have a total of 13, Mr. Hobgood. You have anything to say, youth? There you go. Woo. All right, Mr. Tim Hall's class, stand up. Okay, today you had four total, and you have now a total of 13. Ooh, tried with Mr. Hobgood. All right. Miss Cindy Hall, where's Cindy's class? Miss Cindy. Oh, they're standing up, I see. Okay, Miss Cindy's <laughs> class. Okay. Today you had a total of five. Miss Cindy is at second place with 16. All right, Miss Cindy. Miss Lana's group. Miss Lana's group, stand up. All right, today, now remember some of you guys are in Miss Lauren's room, but that's okay. Today, Lana had six. Miss Lana Hobgood leads the way with 19. Woohoo! And Miss Lauren Hall, today she had four and she has a total of eight. Okay, that's where we stand in Sunday school. All right, now, Lois, Dane, can you give me that, please? Because I'm old and I can't reach. Thank you. Now, I know when you all have been going back with Children's Church, you've been learning a lot of things. I'm just going to see if you're awake this morning. You ready? If you can see the screen, you can look up there. Well, hold on just a second. When Greg's ready. Have we, first, we started out talking about the Old Testament, right? Okay? The Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we learned, in the beginning, God made the heaven and the earth, and all was dark and empty. And on the first day, God made... I'm waiting. The first day, what God make? Nope. You guys aren't awake. Okay. You forgot. Take a guess. 
Okay. Sydney. Wrong day. Can anybody help us out there? Light. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> well, you were right, though. He called the light day and the darkness night. Okay? Now look up at the a screen. On the second day, he made... Somebody said it. Sky and water. That's okay. Uh, it's okay. Let there be bodies of water and above them sky. Okay, are we awake now? On the third day he made... Dane, you know all these. On the third day he made... Land, dry ground. Very good. Let dry ground appear. Let plants and trees grow all over the land. And the fourth day he made... To what? You guys, what? Two great lights. I promised parents and grandparents they really knew this last week. <laughs> the larger one, the larger light to rule the day, and it's what? Sun. Sun. And the smaller one to rule the night, and it is? Thank you. Okay, and he also made the stars, right? All right, we're almost done. And let's talk about the rest of the week. Remember, on the fifth day, God said, let the waters be filled with fish and let there be birds with wings to fly above the earth. Now, on the sixth day, God made animals and people, animals and people to live on the land and people in our likeness. And on the seventh day, oh, he was tired. God saw all that he had made and he rested. He did. Okay, then we talked about God's garden, remember? God's garden? God. You weren't? Okay, God planted a garden in the east in what city? Remember where the garden was planted? The garden of Eden. The man he put in the garden was Adam. The woman he put in the garden was they all know the woman. The garden had two special trees, the tree of life and the knowledge tree. God said, do not eat the, the fruit, yes, from the good and evil tree, which was the tree of knowledge. What? What did the snake do, Jerry? And then what happened? Sydney? God sent him out of the garden, didn't he? he? They didn't obey, did he? Did they? Okay. Now what happened? What happened when they went out of the garden? Adam and Eve left the garden, and they had children, and then their children had children. And there came a time when people of the earth did not know about God. Jesus. Very good. People became very selfish and evil, and God was sorry he ever made people. But God wanted to save one man because he thought that man was really good. Do you remember who that man was? Noah. Noah, you're right. And God told Noah, because everybody was being evil and selfish, what did God tell Noah he wanted to do to the earth? He wanted to flood it for the bad people. He wanted to destroy every living thing, right? You remember that? 
And then what did God ask Noah to build for his family? How did the animals board the ark? Two by two. How long did it rain? Every little thing, every living thing was destroyed except for the the ark and all the animals on the ark and Noah's family. And Noah's family, right? Okay. And then what did Noah, remember Noah sent something out to check to see? Not yet. He sent something out to check to see. Mm, he sent something out. What? The, to see if the floodwaters were going down, remember? And then what? Then God made a promise to Noah that he would never do that again. So he sent out something for promise. Rainbow. The rainbow, yes. You guys are doing so good. All right. Anybody want to volunteer to read this slide? Some of you older guys? Jerry? Can you go ahead and read it? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead and read that line. We've learned more from the Old Testament, but now we skip to the New Testament to follow the Easter story with our families, right? So our volunteers today for Children's Church, Nora's going to stay up here in the choir, and if Jacob and Rachel will come on up, please, they're going to go back to Children's Church. So Rachel and Jacob, thank you very much for volunteering. And then Mary Pinkston, if you'll come on up. Now, hold on a second, guys. We need to go over a couple things. Look at this last screen, because we had some problem last week leaving the church. So we're going to remember the rules. When we get finished here, everybody listening? Kimmy, Jerry, everybody listen. When we leave here, how are we going to leave? Uh-huh. Are we going to pull each other down the aisles? Are we, when we, are we going to run back there and hide in the closet or under the table? No. And are we going to bring video games to children's church? No. Are we going to respect others? Yes. Are we going to help our teachers clean up? Yes. All right. If you are grades pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, first and second, you may go with Jacob and Rachel. Okay? And we'll help Miss Mary get hers to her room. Thank you, guys. Have a good week. Lenten reflection. We'll wait a minute. It'll help us reflect. You know, I'm one of six children. I, my mother had to be a saint because I know how the other six, other five of us were. I was a good boy. Okay, God, I'm sorry. Lenten reflection. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press, and built a tower. 
Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When harvest time came, he sent servants to the tenants to collect his produce. But his tenants seized his slaves, beat one, killed another, and stoned yet another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Matthew 21, 33 through 42. In the minds of the disciples, and indeed most people, to die in the midst of a fight is failure. But Jesus' whole strategy was to turn failure into victory. He realized that he must be the son thrown out of the vineyard and killed. He was the stone rejected by the builders. His destiny was death. Today, we extinguish our third candle in recognition that in order for Jesus to become the cornerstone of our faith, he must first be rejected and die. Please bear with me while I put those spectacles on. This morning's service is, sermon is from John 4, 5 through 29, and 39 through 42. So he came to a Samaritan called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is that you, a Jew, asked to drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is, is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, God. And who is who it is that is saying to you, excuse me, give me a drink, God, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks strength from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water that I will give, excuse me, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Given me this water so that I may never be thirsty, 
or have to come here to draw water? Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have no five, work, five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you said, what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Excuse me. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem? Jesus said to her, Woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Many Samaritans from the city believe in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans come to me, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, be with us this morning as we listen to Dr. Hobbs' sermon. Give us the knowledge from this, to go about our lives and share this with others. Please be with us and guide us through our daily lives. I ask you this in my most precious name. Amen.
pray this morning, I wanted to mention uh, how fortunate we are to have Enda Powell to uh, lead us in our special music today. May we pray. Lord, you know every hair on our head and every weakness we have and every sin that's in our heart, and yet you still love us, and we thank you so much for that. You, pro you provide all that we need but we seem to always want more. Help us to be grateful, Lord, for all that we have and to be generous to those in need. Lord, we know that, that you don't need our money. You want our heart. Help us to give it freely as well. Help us to give the possessions that we have and the little money that we have, Lord. Help us to give that freely. Lord, we thank you most of all for your greatest gift, that of grace and salvation. Set us free from our sins, Lord, and the burden that that brings on us. Open our eyes and help us forgive others the way that you forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't know I was going to be singing except hymns, and unfortunately, that's all you all are going to get as well. <laughs> so hopefully, if you see me struggling or hear me struggling, which is a very good possibility, y'all can all chime in because it's something that everybody here knows, or most of the older folks should anyway. It's called He Keeps Me Singing, but little, do I, little did you know, it's Jika Keeps Me Singing.
And thank you, Enda. What a wonderful surprise that is. And he is the one who keeps us singing as we go, isn't he? After um, listening to a prominent evangelist on the radio, eight-year-old Debbie asked her six-year-old brother, David, do you know about Jesus? Well, expecting a new slant on an old story, David replied, no. And so his sister said, then you need to sit still because this is really scary. Then after explaining the gospel as only an eight-year-old could, she popped the question. Now, David, when you die, do you want to go to heaven to be with Jesus, God, your mommy and daddy and your big sister? Or do you want to go to the lake of fire to be with the devil and the bank robbers? And so David thought about that for a moment, and then he replied, I think I want to stay right here. Well, maybe Debbie was not the ideal evangelist. But you know something? Her heart was in the right place. It's a wonderful thing to help people find Jesus. The great theologian Karl Barth had a painting in his office of the crucifixion that was painted by Matthias Grunewald. And in this painting, you can see the image of it right there. In this painting, there's an image of of John... And as you could see, the artist portrays John, actually it's John the Baptist, pointing to the cross of Jesus. And it is said that when Bart would talk with a visitor about his work, he would direct them to that painting and he would say, I want to be that finger. In other words, Karl Bart wanted to point people to Jesus. You know something, pointing people to Jesus is one of our most important tasks that we can do as people of God. 
This is usually referred to as evangelism, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with other people. German evangelist Reinhold Bonke says this about evangelism. He said, I actually believe with all of my heart that the ministry of evangelism is the most important ministry of all because God is out to rescue the perishing and to save the drowning. This is the heart of God, he says. Salvation costs him everything, his only begotten son. When God created the world, he continues, he didn't sweat, not one drop of perspiration, but God was sweating drops of blood at the cross. That's what it cost him to save us. And that's not a small thing. So proclaiming the cross is not an afterthought. It's one of the most important things that we can do. You know, Reverend Bonke is, is right. Christ wants us to be his evangelists. Today's message is about one of the most effective evangelists who ever lived. But this particular evangelist was also one of the most unlikely evangelists to ever, ever live. Because you see, she had a shady past. And when I, when I talk about a shady past and evangelists, you may, some of you may think, especially those who are over about the age of 40, you may have your picture in your mind of maybe Sinclair Lewis's Elmer Gantry or maybe you are picturing Jimmy Swaggart or Jim Baker or some other well-known evangelist who have had a tarnished image. But you know something? Modern TV evangelists or TV evangelism, it's more like show business than it is like church. And as such, it often draws personalities with huge egos who, who may start out with great intentions, but somewhere along the way, some of these people falter. And the weakness of, of some of these evangelists is, is not always sex, as some of you might think. Some of our best-known religious figures have been snared by another deadly temptress. Greed, materialism, money. And in the eyes of God, in their eyes, God has, has blessed them really good. And God wants their followers to, to keep supporting them in the manner to which they've, they've grown accustomed. And if they do, they say that God will give them every good thing. But they conveniently forget Jesus' words that you cannot serve both God and mammon. But you know something? I've never heard of a pastor or an evangelist being thrown out of a pulpit for greed. Unless there's fraud involved or something like that. But sex is an issue that gets people's attention. And thus we come to today's evangelist with a shady past. Her sin was sexual. She was a woman of questionable reputation. But rather than detracting from her role as an evangelist, it actually enhanced it because people who knew her could see the change that Jesus had made in her life. She is best known to us, of course, as the woman at the well. Our story takes place in a Samaritan town called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and, and Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down beside the well, and it was about 12 o'clock at, at noon. 
His disciples had gone into town to buy some food, and when a Samaritan woman came to draw some water from the well, Jesus asked her, will you, will you draw me a drink? Now, this was a very unusual thing for, for two reasons. For one thing, it was very unusual for this woman to come to the well at noon because most of the time the women would come and, and, and draw water from the well early in the morning or late in the afternoon when it was cooler. It was a social event for them. They would come, and this was a time where they would gather together and, and, and uh, catch up on the local gossip, what's going on in town. But this woman was an outcast. She had a bad reputation, and she was not welcomed in the group of other ladies who, who came to the well in the morning and the evening. And so instead of enduring the stares and the whispers of the other women, she came at noon when no one else would be there. So that's one reason it was unusual. It was also unusual for a second reason, because Jesus was a Jew. And Jews usually didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. To many of the Jews, they were, they, they, Samaritans were looked down upon as an inferior race, and, and they were forbidden to even talk with them. And so when Jesus asked this woman for a drink of water, the woman said, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and a woman. How is it that you can ask me for a drink? And, and so Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for this drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, the woman was surprised. Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw any water with and well's deep. How are you going to get this living water? And and Jesus said, everyone who drinks the, this water will be thirsty again from the well. But whoever drinks the water that I will give them will never thirst again. For the water that I will give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, the woman had no clue what Jesus was talking about. And I can't really blame her. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't know this, this kind of language that Jesus was speaking. She didn't know what... This, this mysterious thing that Jesus was talking about, water that would quench a thirst forever. But she didn't know anything about this. But, but she did know that, that she was tired of lugging this jug back and forth to the well every day. So having this water that would quench her thirst forever, that sounded pretty good to her. And so the woman said to him, Sir, give me some of that water. Give me some of that water so I won't get thirsty and, and I won't have to keep coming here every day. And so Jesus surprised her again, and she said, he said, go call your husband and come back. Well, that hit a nerve. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said, I know. Fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Well, the woman was kind of embarrassed about this disclosure, and, but also impressed because she concluded that he was a prophet. Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. But she felt uncomfortable about this, so immediately she began to try to change the subject. I don't blame her there either. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared that a time is coming when you will worship neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
In fact, the time has already come when it won't matter where you worship God because God is spirit and cannot be limited to one place. And all true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is going to come. When he comes, he's going to explain all this to us. And Jesus said, you're talking to him. Then as the disciples returned, the woman left. She left her water there, her jug there at the well, and and she went back to town and she began to tell the people, come and, and see this man who told me everything that I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? And so the people came out to see Jesus. And, and John tells us that, that many of these Samaritans believed in him because of what the woman had said. They believed because of what she said. What a wonderful story of redemption that is. Jesus broke all social protocol here, reaching out to a woman, a Samaritan, a person of ill repute, and and then she reached out to the people of her village. One reason that Jesus may have had such an effect on this woman was that he showed her a great deal of respect. And we have to remember that this was a woman who received very little respect from her own people, from her own people in the village there. In verse 21, when when Jesus calls her woman, it sounds a little caustic to our ears, doesn't it? He says woman, and it sounds a little caustic to us, but the, the, the Greek word that there, gune, is not a term that is used for scolding or contempt, but rather it's a, it is a term that is lovingly used as a term of endearment. In fact, a, a better translation of this would probably be something like special lady. So think a bit about this for a minute. This woman is a, is a village outcast. She can't even associate with the other women in town. She changes men about as often as most people change socks. And yet, Jesus sees the possibility in this woman. And he calls her special lady. He used the same word in reference to his own mother at the wedding in Cana. And also as he was on the cross. So maybe that struck this woman. What, maybe what struck her the most was that Jesus treated her with dignity and, re- and respect. When no, no one else would do that. And and that's the way we should treat everyone that we meet as well. And folks, that's where effective evangelism begins. He treated her as a person who really mattered. And she could not wait to tell her friends. Now, here's something I think we can all learn from this story in Jesus's life. Here it is. The most effective messengers of the gospel of Christ are real people who have had their lives transformed. The most important or the most effective messengers are real people who have had their lives transformed. Now, obviously, people who are phony in their witness to Christ are are not going to be very effective, not for long anyway. None of us are going to tolerate outright and outright phony for very long. Um, And we can see through things like that, can't we? 
Reader's Digest told a story several years ago about a company that glued a, a, a tiny seed. It was a Christian company, you know, and, and they glued a tiny seed to a brochure that was advertising their product. And, and the brochure said something like, if you have the faith of a mustard seed in our product, it will produce profound results for you. Well, several months later, a customer wrote back and said, you will be very interested to know that I planted your mustard seed and now I have a beautiful plant covered with tomatoes. <laughs> Obviously, it was not a mustard seed, but a tomato seed. And it's true that, that, that those who are insincere and, and those whose lives do not bear the fruit of discipleship, they will quickly lose credibility and and will not gain a hearing for very long but i believe that this truth has a more general application as well many people today are growing disenchanted with what might be called celebrity evangelism tv evangelists are no longer enjoying the following that they once did and i think it, it's a te- it is telling that when a newspaper report Uh, came out on the hospitalization of a well-known faith-healing evangelist after undergoing some tests for for chest pains. This newspaper report did not show up in the religion section. It didn't even show up in the main news section. Instead, it appeared in the entertainment section of the paper. Well, much of TV evangelism is, is about entertainment. And that's also true when we treasure the the witness of famous athletes or Hollywood stars or singers above the witness of of an ordinary Christian. But folks, I want to tell you something. It's not those people out there who have the most effective message of Christ. The most effective messengers of Jesus Christ are are not the the bling-laden folks that you see on television. The most effective messengers of the gospel are real people like you and me who have had our lives transformed by the gospel of Christ. And this applies not only to celebrity Christians, but, but also to what we might call Super saints. Some of you may think that your witness for Christ may not be very effective because at some point in your life, you've messed up. Who hadn't messed up? I think we all have. And I'm here to say that actually the exact opposite may be true. Because you see, most people today are turned off by what we might call super saints. Most people want to hear from somebody whose faith has been tested and someone who knows what it means to to experience the undeserved grace of God. Because that's what it is, folks. It is undeserved. And no matter what we have done in our lives, every one of us are sinners. But it is the grace of God that has brought us to where we are now as children of God. And that's the kind of message that is effective. Pastor Jay Kessler tells about a boy who had been arrested for armed robbery and the boy's parents were strong Christians, very active in their church, and so naturally they were ashamed. They didn't leave their home for several days. They didn't know 
if they could face their friends again, especially their friends at church. And, and, and so they kind of sheltered themselves inside for a while. But, but the, the parents finally went back to church and, and their shame and, and their fear made them stick together like burrs. But something wonderful happened. A stream of people came to them. And listen to this. The main reason that they came was not so much to console them, but to ask for their help with their own spiritual problems. The father said later, it seems to me that when people take a super spiritual pose in church, pretending to have no problems or to have all the answers, all uh, the other church people are afraid to be honest about their own problems for fear that they will look like failures. He said, it's strange that when we tried our best and at least on the surface succeeded in our Christian lives, we didn't touch the lives of others. But now that we are having problems with our own son, other people ask for our help. And they want to know how God is working out our problem. My friends, if like the Pharisees, we parade our superior righteousness and spirituality around, we're going to do more to turn people off than we are to attract them to Christ. Because folks, there's only been one perfect man, one man who has never sinned. And most of the religious leaders of his day could not accept him as the Messiah because he did not appear very saintly. And he hung out with sinners. That's exactly the kind of person that Jesus wants to share their faith. Real people. People who have had their lives transformed by the grace of God. And so here's the question for you today. Are you one of those people? Are you among that number? Have you had a a deep failure at some point in your life and found that God's promises really are true? If that's the case, then share your story with others because there are other people out there who are facing similar problems and they need to know that there's hope. Share your story with others. And if you're going through a time of failure and pain right now in your lives, you don't need to shrink back from Christ or or from the church. He is saying to you today, special lady, special gentleman, your life may be hard. You You may have made some poor choices in your life. But listen to this. My grace is sufficient for you. I died so that you can live. So accept that gift of grace and love today. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to do just that. We're going to sing together hymn number 275, I Surrender All. We're going to give you that opportunity to accept the love and grace of Jesus Christ today. If you've never done that before, I hope you'll do it today. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You may have made some poor decisions. You may have made some, some wrong turns in your life. And you may be going down the road right now, the wrong road right now. 
But you know what? God's grace is sufficient and can cover all that. No matter what you have done, God loves you. That's something that we can take to the bank. God loves us more than anything else in the world. And God wants to have that relationship with you and to help you get on the right path. God wants to help you to live the life that He wants you to live. A life that's fulfilling and filled with hope and love and grace. If you've never made that commitment to Jesus Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that today as, as we sing this hymn. Or perhaps you're looking for a place to worship and to fellowship and to, and to be the, the family of God together. We invite you to come and unite with our church today. Or, or maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you've taken a wrong turn and, and you need to help the help of your fellow church members. You need the help of prayer. We invite you to come and we'll pray together. If God is dealing in, any, in your heart in any way today, we invite you as we sing together, I surrender all. Would you come? Thank you. Um, let's let's have our benediction, and then we will um, call our our ourselves into business session. And I know that we have visitors here, and you are welcome to stay if you would like. You don't have to. We may want to take just a couple of minutes here. If, uh, if anybody would like to to leave at this time, that's fine. Um, but let's have our benediction, and then uh, we'll just take a couple of minutes. Then we'll have our our business meeting. Oh, God, we have come into this place and we have heard about this woman. This woman, just a normal person who has made poor decisions in her lives, taken wrong choices, taken wrong roads. But she used that, oh, God, 
to serve you. She turned around. And we pray that we might do the same. We pray that we might go from this place now and and express in our lives the the beliefs that have been expressed here today in, in word and in song. No longer believe just because of what has been said by by one or two people, but but to know for sure that that this Jesus in whose name we have met today really is the Savior of the world. And so I pray, O oh God, that we would all go and tell the good news today that Jesus Christ truly is Lord. Amen. This is a special called uh, business meeting for the purpose of discussing the possible purchase of uh, property next to us. Uh, many of you uh, recall, and those that are somewhat newer to the church, the property that our church and parking lot sits on now was purchased from the Warren family, the Gene Warren family. And they also own the property next to us that's between us and Aqua City. They have indicated that they are willing to sell to us um, 70, uh, three acres of property for $75,000. And that three acres would start at the back of our property line, come forward to a line that's roughly even with the doors out here. Uh, when you go outside, you can look across the field, and there's an orange flag over there. It's, it's about where the red van was parked this morning. Um, and it's the recommendation of the uh, trustees and the church council and the deacons uh, that we pursue that uh, and authorize the trustees to negotiate a purchase with the Warren family. Uh, and one of the conditions is that we would not borrow money to do that. Uh, the deacons and church council members and trustees uh, have, knowing this, uh, members have voluntarily pledged money toward that purchase. Uh, 44300 has been pledged before we have any formal fundraising. So the uh, recommendation is that we uh, authorize the trustees to negotiate a purchase of up to three acres. We could uh, potentially buy two acres for $50,000. We nearly have that pledged already, so we would anticipate being able to purchase uh, some property without borrowing any money, but it's our intention that we would not uh, borrow money to purchase this. Uh, it would, however, improve our balance sheet, obviously, because our land value would be greater, our debt would stay the same, and so we would have then bettered uh, the church from that standpoint. Sybil, is there anything else? Did I get all that? Do you need to uh, make any presentation, or did I cover that? Okay. Any questions about that? Yes, Jimmy? No, and that's, that's the point. The, the, when we purchased this property, um, the Warrens had talked, you know, about the road frontage property. They want a lot more for that. We don't think that that, for the dollar, is feasible. What this would do would give us a panhandle this way, uh, and the main concern is that the long-range plan is that this lot next to us could be used to build a sanctuary 
this could be a family life center. But if we were to do that with the square footage of the building and the code requirements, we would need more parking space. So that land would potentially be parking uh, space. And, and I think in terms of the, uh, the wisdom of the purchase and, and whether it is a, um, it's feasible to, to take that property and cut uh, the dirt in the back and fill it up the middle, uh, that's for the trustees in their negotiation with the Warrens to, um, uh, to make that determination. And the frontage property is not available right now. Oh. It's not for sale. It's not for sale, so. Yes, Larry? I have Yes? Okay. The, the, um, in terms of the survey, I know there's a flag out there, so it's been marked and staked. And I remember that when we bought this property, that lot next to us, uh, those, are, those are, they have been, uh, I believe the Warrens have had at least a frontage survey. And I don't know if this is simply the remainder behind that front. So I believe there has been some, um, uh, at least informal indication of what constitutes the three acres. Uh, those are other those other two questions. Unless somebody else knows the answer, I think those are for the trustees uh, to take into account in in making this determination. But the uh, utility and 